Woody Womack joined by Mike Farrell for our weekly podcast. How you doing, Mike? Good. Doing great. Oh, so much going on. What a drama-filled weekend, right? On, on and off the field. Yeah. Saturday morning was a big surprise to me. I, I know where you're leading to, and that's the biggest subject, I think, in college football right now is, is Clemson, Florida State. That was just dramatic. Yeah, let's talk about it. The game got canceled when? I mean... 9 a.m. or three hours. It was like 9:30. Like uh, you know, I I was I was just scrolling through Twitter, you know, um, and and it was like 9:30, and then Warchant broke it. Warchant.com, our Florida State site. That I think they were the first ones that had it. That said the game was uh, you know, canceled, and then you know everybody else picked it up, and then it turned into why, and you know I asked a few questions of some kids that I used to know, you know, through high school that are currently on rosters uh, for both schools. And you get two different stories, but to me, I mean, it, it and, and listen, this is the way it is. It reeks of let's not get blown out on national television. Well, <laughs> right. But I mean, they're trying to reschedule it, right? Why would, I mean, what's the, I don't, I don't know if they will. I mean, I, you know, 12, 12 is that open date, you know, now Dabo's saying we're, we're not coming back. Um, you know, you travel to us and blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's going to be played, but you know, even some Florida state diehard Florida state fans that I've known for years and years and years said that this was, you know, why, why go out on national television and, and give Dabo a chance to blow us out by 60 points if you have an excuse. Now, again, you know, I read the back and forth, you know, why travel with a, a, a symptomatic COVID kid who's not even on your starting team and, you know, but, but then I hear he tested negative three times. And, you know, I don't know what's true or not. I just know based on the conversations that I had Saturday morning with some people that one team was ready to play and the other one was looking for a way out. So, you know, Dabo's taking heat, uh, as usual, uh, in the national media. My issue is, can we get a clear story of what happened? I mean, why do the, why do the relative media members need to play Homer for the team? Like, can you just tell me what happened? Like, wh how hard would it be to say this is what happened? Can we get a fact-based story on what happened? No, no, because the, the, the you know, mainstream media has turned into either – you know, pro, uh, you know, not, not, I, I don't even know what to say. It, it's political. Okay. It's, well, but what I'm saying is, okay, Mike Norvell's giving his press conference today saying, yeah, we wanted to play, we, blah, blah, right. blah. You, your doctor said no. Okay. So that's fine. I mean, what, if you want to make it a safety issue, that's fine. But then Dab was saying they wanted to play. Then it's, oh, there's a symptomatic player. Then Clemson says there's not. It's like, where is the ACC on this? Like, well, they're the ones who set the, the guidelines and, and parameters that are so vague that this could happen, you know? And, and again, this wasn't something that people, I think, thought of or, or foresaw when they decided to have a season, you know, that, that there would be one team with such a, a unbelievable talent disadvantage, perhaps using uh, the pandemic to their advantage. And, and again, I don't know if that's true or not. 10,000 feet above, right? I'm in my little helicopter. I'm looking down at college football. I see Clemson, Florida State canceled because 
you know, they couldn't agree on playing. Clemson wants to play Florida State, clearly doesn't. That's what I see. You know, I don't know the truth. You know, I, I, Clemson kids will say one thing, Florida State kids will say another. But, you know, when, when Trevor Lawrence comes out and he's, you know, we, we knew him, pretty honest kid, right? You know, when he comes out with a statement that says we were ready to play, they're ready to play. Um, you know, I, I don't understand that the, the, the defending, you know, or, 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 or attacking Dabo, it, it's all turned into politics. You know, well, the safety of these young men is more important than a football game. Well, of course it is. But to me, this, you know, like Mike Leach traveled to Georgia with what, 49 scholarship players? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So listen, I, I, I think Florida State didn't want to play. So, so your prediction is the game doesn't happen then? No, no. My prediction is absolutely no way that game happens. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about Florida State here because I, I'm starting to take this game out of the picture, which they would have gotten blown out. We've seen a mass exodus of players, essentially, which always happens with the coaching change and the pandemic maybe factors in as well. But I, I just – I looked at an article that Michael Langston from our Florida State site War Chant wrote, and it was like their top 10 remaining targets. And I was like, who, who are these guys? We're talking like some three-star defensive end from Michigan. And I'm like, why aren't you recruiting players in Florida? So what's going on? Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm not ready to bail on Norvell, but I just don't, I feel like they have no momentum. Usually you hire a new coach, you get a huge bump, you get, a bunch of kids saying, I love the Knowles. And there's a ton of kids who grew up in Florida loving them. So what's going on? I mean, are you worried? Are you concerned? Because I, I, I just don't feel like things are trending in the right direction right now. No, they're not. And this was a perfect storm, okay? This is this is a, a head football coach in Jimbo Fisher that just had his foot out the door and knew it. So didn't really recruit hard. This was a bad hire of Willie Taggart a guy with a losing record that they felt would recruit well and turn the program around. And he went two years without recruiting a quarterback, which is the biggest sin in college football recruiting period. It's the first one. Um, then you get a new coach in there and COVID hits. So that new coach can't hit the road in the spring and junior days are limited and shut down. And it's just a perfect storm of, of awfulness and Florida State is in a really, really bad place. I mean, you see the, the, the gifs of dumpster fires all over the place, and that's, that's what they are right now. Um, it won't last forever, but, you know, I don't know what the solution is. But this started, if you remember, a few years ago. You know, we used to cover the Florida State uh, elite camps, right. and the kids be, were becoming less and less elite. <laughs> yes. And, and that was... That was right near the beginning of Taggart and the Jimbo. So this has been this has been in the works for a while. And and now, you know, instead of covering five and four stars, you know, coming to visit or, or down the stretch, and instead of battling for the 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 Eddie Goldman's or trying to flip the Minka Fitzpatrick's, they're 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 trying to get kids interested, period. And that's a big problem. So this this program's in big trouble. It's going to take a little while to dig out, but you know, I'm not, I'm not burying them yet completely. I mean, they're, they're Florida state. They're in the state of Florida. They'll be fine. Eventually. It's just, this is really ugly. And I think this is the ugliest 
you know, this has got to be rock bottom. Losing 66 to three or whatever I had predicted wouldn't have been rock bottom. Not playing this game is rock bottom to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I, I think that staff needs some people with ties to Florida. I mean, I can't, I just can't believe we're down a stretch and we're, we're fighting for, we're fighting Nebraska for a five, six, three star from Michigan. I mean, <laughs> what's going on? Like, it just doesn't, that just doesn't, I mean, maybe who knows, but I mean, I mean, it's all, oh, they might get a transfer from Utah state. It's like, well, by, by the time this comes out, I'm, I'm writing my three point stands for tomorrow and I'm, I'm writing about five programs that should lower their expectations period uh i mean it's 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 time you know nebraska being one of them michigan being another one tennessee being another one and i've got five programs that should absolutely not and florida state's one of them so this is unacceptable you're a uh power five program you're one of the big three in florida with the most fertile recruiting ground on earth this is unacceptable um if it continues somebody will have to come in and write the ship and that's the way it is but Florida State fans should be pretty upset because this has gone from, you know, what, 2014 national championship to 2020 embarrassment. I mean, this is embarrassing in every way, shape, and form. And I've never seen, you know, at the end of the Bobby Bowden reign when he started hiring all his old buddies as coaches and their defense was horrendous and Chuck Amato was a defensive coordinator or something. And they stunk. They still stunk. Yeah, they stunk at eight and four. Yeah, seven and five, eight and four. <laughs> you know, yeah, they'd lose to a BC, but they'd beat like, you know, a Louisville. But now they have no chance of beating anybody. They're just awful. So this is it. This is rock bottom. And there's only one way up. All right. Uh, Ohio State had a pretty close call with Indiana. Uh, Indiana actually had the ball two different times with a chance to score in the fourth quarter. They it looked really good. And then I heard some people, oh, the game was never in doubt. I never thought Ohio State was going to lose. It's like, it was a pretty close call. And I don't know if they can really afford to have those. I mean, what, what did you take away from that game and kind of how it's going to impact them? Well, at first, do you remember in the first quarter? I mean, it was scary for Indiana because, you know, Ohio State went down the field and scored so easily. And then they got a turnover and it's like, uh-oh this could get really ugly really fast because Indiana doesn't really know how to deal with this, but these are the fighting Tom Allens and they fought and they fought and they scratched and they clawed that secondary for Ohio state is bad. It's bad. You know, short of the, the Sean Wade pick six, which was a horrible offensive call. I mean, I don't know why you would ever <laughs> in college football, <laughs> have a lefty quarterback throw from the left hash all the way across the field for a five yard or seven yard out. I mean, that you might as well just hand it off to the defensive lineman and let him run in for a touch. It's just a horrible call. But other than that, they were getting gashed. I mean, Ty, uh, Ty Freifogel, 218 yards, three TDs looked like, uh, you know, Julio Jones. And Indiana really showed a lot to me as far as character and, and fight. And this Ohio State team has some weaknesses we didn't know they had. Um, and I'm not talking about Justin Fields. He had a bad game. He made a couple bad decisions for sure. But this defensive secondary in this day of offensive football would scare the living daylights out of me. Yeah, yeah the, I mean, nobody really has a dominant defense this year, at least from the from the really good teams. But like you said, I mean, 
Penix had like 500 yards passing, you know? Yeah, 491, five touchdowns. Uh, you know, you look like Steve Young out there. And, uh, you know, we talk to kids and players from all sorts of schools that we cover, you know, and they're off in college. And I don't really stay in touch with them, but, you know, they're still following you on Twitter and they DM you here and there. And I had a few kids in my DMs. I won't name what schools they were from, but they were like, we cannot wait to play Ohio State. <laughs> they were so unimpressed with that secondary that they were just chomping at the bit to put up big points. So, you know, whoever wins the national championship this year is going to do it on offense. And, you know, Ohio State's going to have to score 50 to win. Uh, I think that's the way it looks. All right. Uh, another rough game for Nebraska, Scott Frost. And our, our friend of the show, Dave Lackford, brought up to me, at what point do we start the hot seat talk with Frost? I mean, and this was one of the worst losses he's had. They were a 17-point favorite. They essentially got blown out. They don't have a quarterback still. I mean, we're, you're, you know, McCaffrey's fun to watch run around or whatever, but he's not a quarterback. I mean, he should move positions immediately. Like, Yeah, 26 carries. Right. <laughs> put, put him at receiver put Martinez at quarterback and at least you got two, two of your best athletes on the field at the same time. But, uh, well, it looks like old Nebraska quarterback carrying 26 times. It's just that worked 20 years ago. doesn't work now. So what do you think? Does he? No, no hot seat. No, never. No, no. well, not never. I mean, eventually you have to, but first of all, you, you spent, a, tr a tremendous amount of time and effort and money and to lure this individual away from big programs that were interested, Florida being one of them. You know, you brought him back to your alma mater. He's a, he's a playing legend. And, you know, this is something that Nebraska has to understand is that who are they going to get that's better? Right. I, well, I mean, <laughs> we're in year three here. You got to, you know, take, them begging to play out of it. You can't lose. You can't lose uh, games like this by twenty points in year three to Illinois, who's not very good. I mean, I just and I don't think they should fire him, but it, well, <laughs> he's got. They've got to bring in some talent. They got to hit the transfer market. They've wasted how many spots have they? I wish we could do a story. How many wasted scholarships have they done chasing these fringe four star dudes from Florida who don't even end up playing there? Yeah, it was worse under Riley um, yeah, going to California and you know, with the Calabrasca movement and stuff, you know, they have to do what Wisconsin does. You know, Wisconsin has no home recruiting territory except for maybe five to seven good kids every year. Nebraska has less than that, but similar. Uh, they have to know who they are. They have to come up with one system that fits their playing style offensively and defensively target kids that are in the three-star range every once in a while, a four-star and get them there and establish yourself as position you for something, you know, offensive linemen want to go to Wisconsin. Nolan Rucci went to Wisconsin over Penn state. His dad played at Penn state. His brother's at, at Wisconsin, but they're all on you, Wisconsin. And they have that mentality of we're going to pound it. We're going to run it. Our offensive lineman at three thirty, blah, blah, blah. Nebraska doesn't have any of that on offense or defense, and I'm not really sure how they're going to create that. It's an embarrassing loss. Illinois, the official athletic Twitter trolled them. Did you see that? Yeah, what did they do? 
And they deleted the tweet, but they're like, uh, thanks for bringing football back to the Big Ten. Oh, yes. Why did they delete it? I, I don't know. It was it was already got like 600 retweets or something. And then, it, well, here's how, why they deleted it. You know this more than anybody. <laughs> Some, you know, chucklehead in the Illinois buttoned up athletic, athletic department who has nothing to do with football or doesn't know what a football looks like and has never been outside and played saw that and said that's inappropriate delete it that's it that's what happened yeah show some you know? class yeah but yeah i guess i can relate <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can because it's annoying i mean it was fun i liked i liked fitzgerald at northwestern throwing shade back at joey galloway and reese davis and it's just fun but for nebraska okay let's reel it in you had polini he was a jerk but he won nine games every year that's where you should be at Every once in a while, win 10, win your division, go get blasted by Ohio State in the title game and be happy. The national championship days are over. Recruiting has changed. It's been 25 years. Recruiting is light years different than it was back in the day of Nebraska winning national championships, as are offenses, as are rules. I mean, there's so many things that have changed since they were a power program that they are at such a disadvantage uh, that they they should have the same expectations of a team that has no home state recruiting advantage and has to win on the road in recruiting every year. And that's eight, nine wins. That's it. Well, here's what I don't get. Okay. Scott Frost gets a lot of credit for Marcus Mariota, right? He gets credit for bringing Mackenzie Milton from Hawaii, who Oregon wouldn't take. He got the job, immediately went and got him. Now, his next quarterback was the, the guy behind Mackenzie Milton was Dylan Gabriel, who's now at UCF, throwing for a billion yards. Guess what high school Jaden Delora went to? Uh, I don't know. Somewhere same, in Hawaii? Yeah, the same one as Marcus Mariota and the same one as Tua, who Frost also recruited. If only someone would have told them about Jaden Delora, they would have a quarterback. What are you doing? Go to Hawaii where you had your most success. You built your entire career off of two quarterbacks. You have a, a four-star quarterback from the same one who was dying for anyone to give him a scholarship. What's going on? Like, I, I just... I just don't get, I just don't get it, Mike. Like, I, like okay, but now they've got a guy committed from in-state maybe he's the answer but you're you're scott frost you should be able to sell i've developed a heisman trophy winner a two-time heisman trophy uh top 10 finisher in milton what, what's going like and we're sticking we still it's almost like tennessee with garantano oh we still got adrian martinez and one of the mccaffrey's like i just don't yeah that, that's where the frustration comes in for me and i think if you're a nebraska fan you got to feel that way well i i also think that you know there's a blessing and a curse to the amazing fan base that is Nebraska, right? It's the most rabid fan base in the country. And anybody who says differently is incorrect. I've been doing this for a very long time. I know what rabbit is and they are very rabid. That's good and that's bad. Adrian Martinez, had he gone to Cal, would be a very, very solid quarterback, putting up solid numbers, winning six games a year. Sometimes the pressure and the crushing expectations can destroy 
not only a player, but a program. And I just think that's where Nebraska is at. Cause I don't have another answer. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, why didn't they recruit Delora? That's, I don't have an explanation for that. Um, but I do have an explanation for why this team's continuing to struggle, even with a very good head coach who did wonders at UCF and was very good at Oregon. It's the, the expectations. If you're not great, you're not good. If you're not good, you're bad. And, and it just goes down from there. So that's my latest guess. I've been guessing about Nebraska for a very long time, but that's my latest guess. Yeah. I just don't see the offense. Like at year three, the expectation would be, even if they were, like he was his first year at UCF where they're scoring a lot of points, but they're giving up a ton. You'd be like, Oh, okay. Well, he's an offensive guy. They'll get the defense together. The offense is not, it's not good. I saw it's horrible, but the defense is really, really bad. I mean, (laughs) Illinois scored 28 points in the first half. And, and I, I, you know, the the Huskers were wearing the black shirts and, and that's obviously a tradition and, you know, and there were so many fans saying, listen, you get change out of those black shirts at halftime. You're an embarrassment. And and they were. I mean, to give up 41 points to Illinois, who's just not a good football team, uh, to score 23 against Illinois, which, you know, gave up 45 to Wisconsin and 41 to Minnesota. Um, it's just it's I, I don't have an explanation and I don't think anybody does. Um, and I don't have a solution. You know, I'm a problem identifier. I'm not a problem solver. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe me, I know. Uh, so uh, I want to talk about this. They gave him an extension before the year yeah. and a raise. Same yeah. with Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. And a lot of times you hear people, especially in the national college football media, be like, well, they need to do it for recruiting. Recruits have no idea. Oh, Jeremy Pruitt's contract's up in 2023. Oh, we, we better... If he doesn't get an extension, I'm not going there. What are these schools thinking? Like, what can you debunk the myth with me that it doesn't matter for recruiting? It's it doesn't. It makes no difference. It's 20 years ago thinking. When I first got into this industry, it was very important for a head coach to walk into a living room to close out a kid with a four-year deal in place. And it was unheard of for him not to have that, right? So that was important back then 25 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, now, all of these kids, every one of them, even even the, 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 the low threes, the twos, whatever, although there are no twos other than rivals anymore, apparently. <laughs> um, they all think they're three and out guys, right? right? So they don't give a crap whether you get a four-year deal or a five-year extension or you're going to be there until 2028. They don't care. Plus, they see these guys who have these long-term deals like Willie Taggart get fired after two years anyways, you know, or, or Charlie strong get fired after three years or who, whoever, and they just get bought out. So the contract means nothing. It's idiotic. And you can absolutely walk into a living room in December. You can't now with COVID, uh, but, and do a home visit with less than four years on your contract. But 25 years ago, it was unheard of. And, and the college football landscape in many ways has not changed at all from that thinking. And, and it, it puzzles me to no end because these are million dollar decisions being made by people who clearly are making horrible decisions. <laughs> well, like, okay, I get it. Okay, Mike Gundy or whoever, 
somebody comes and offers them the job, they get an extension. Nobody was trying to hire Scott Frost and nobody's trying to hire Jeremy Pruitt. Like, I'm sorry. They, oh, Tennessee won six games to close the year. Okay. Okay. So, so, so what team was going to come hire him? He didn't need an extension. And then now we have the story. Oh, the, the coaches at Tennessee aren't taking pay cuts, but Pruitt did. Well, he sort of did because he's not taking his raise right away. And it's like, why did he get a raise? He lost to Georgia state. Like what, what did Frost do to get a multi-year extension? It's just, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's malpractice. And it, then we complain about the budgets and they don't want to pay players. It's like, you're throwing money down the drain. It's honestly, it's a PR move. It's to keep the PR people busy so they could do a press release. It's to make the people making these decisions, whether it's the president or the athletic director or a combination of the two think they look smart getting ahead of things, bringing positive news to the community and to their football program. And it's so stupid, you know, but fans don't care. They don't really care that Florida state had to pay what $20 million to get rid of Willie Taggart. Yeah. It's not their money. They don't care. But that program, as we're learning is in a slight bit of financial stress right now. Right. um, Because of something like that. So I can't figure it out. I wish that was the way it worked at rivals yeah me too i wish i could be like hey woody you're doing a great job we're gonna give you a three-year extension tomorrow (laughs) it used to be that way (laughs) you know long long ago when we were a small company it used to be that way and and you know some people took advantage of it some people didn't uh you know and by take advantage i mean just like oh i'm gonna mail it in now but it's not that way in the real world it's not that way up the road here in, in in connecticut at aetna or the travelers it's not that way any place but college football and you know for will muschamp to be you know uh cashing a check at his bank for 13 million dollars after being a colossal failure at south carolina makes no sense to me whatsoever so again i don't have an explanation for why nebraska is horrible i don't have an explanation for why these extensions occur i'm bringing absolutely no uh problem solving skills to the table here because i just i stupidity that's all i got it it's it's just frustrating to me to and to hear people parrot well they had to do it for recruiting no they didn't i can promise you i go ask every single tennessee commit when's jeremy pruitt's contract up they'd be like sir i don't i have no idea (laughs) they don't they don't biggest, biggest joke ever but again when i started that was a big thing it was when a, in a coach, like I remember, I can't even remember the coach's name. He was at North Carolina. He was from New Jersey. He stunk. What was his name? Uh, it came after Mac Brown. He, he was before Butch. John Bunting? Does that sound yeah, familiar? Maybe. Okay. I think he walked into a living room with a three-year deal once, and, and it you know kind of hurt them in recruiting. Um, I think the same thing happened at Kentucky with uh, – I can't remember that coach's name either. Rich but Brooks. <laughs> No, it was before, it was before, before the famous duck, um, you know, but it, it was a big deal back then. It was like a big deal. It really was. We wrote about it and talked about it and, and kids talked about it and schools pointed it out, but it's 2020 now. Nobody cares. Right. It's the stupidest thing ever. And it has zero to do with recruiting whatsoever. Zero. There's really a simple solution to recruiting. It's very, very easy. Put kids in the NFL and win. Yes. It doesn't matter what else you do, you're going to get good kids. And that's why parity in college football is, is 
you know, it's, it's non-existent. That's why we're going to see, you know, Alabama and Clemson or both in the national title game again, or if they're not in there, it's going to be Ohio state. And, and that's why at the top of the recruiting rankings, you see these same schools over and over and, and, you know, that's not going to change either. All right. Speaking of the top of the recruiting rankings, JT Daniels, former five-star finally gets into finally the, the scrappy fourth stringer made his way into the lineup and throws for 400 yards against a not very good Mississippi state team. And again, that Georgia almost lost to be honest with you. What? And then we, well, we saw a lot of quotes after the game. Well, this is what we've been seeing in practice. <laughs> and like the, it's, did you, did you see those quotes from players that kind of made it seem like we were expecting this? We, and then he said, I was cleared after the first game. I don't know why I wasn't playing. What, what, what's your read, Mike, on the whole situation? Yeah. You know, originally there was talk that he, you know, wasn't cleared, even though there, he was reported as cleared. Um, I think it was for the Arkansas game, which was the opener. Uh, at the very least for the Auburn game. But then, you know, everybody I talked to close to the Georgia program said, well, they don't feel comfortable because he can't really move that well. He, he, you know, he doesn't have the ability to escape and, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna let him get better. So then, you know, after they started losing, you know, Alabama was an expected loss, but you know, they still lost by 17. Um, Florida, then I'm like, okay, this kid's really hurt. We're not gonna see him again this year. They're saving him for next season. You know, and then he comes out finally after an off week because of the postponed game against Missouri and, and puts up these numbers and throws the ball, get this, downfield with a spiral. And now everybody's wondering why the heck did this kid play from, from day one? So essentially what I think, and again, I don't know, I think the reliance upon the defense and the running game was where they were at and they thought they could get through this season with that, which is crazy. Because Dwan Mathis is just never been good. I, I've never really felt he was a very talented quarterback. But that you know, listen, we had him as a four-star. It's hindsight. Uh, Stetson Bennett is not good. JT Daniels is good. So you know, Georgia kind of threw this season away, uh, but they got their quarterback of the future. So I guess that's good news. Well, and I think did you guys end up doing that factor fiction idea I sent over? Uh, I'm sure we did. Which one was it? Was a, you know, does, does this make Kirby Smart look good or bad? I mean, did we? I think we did. I, I said it looked, made him look bad. I forget what Gorney said. Gorney's always wrong in factor fiction. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, like, I don't have a problem with, especially after Bennett played well the first couple games, but there was a point there. I'm trying to remember which game. It might have even been the Tennessee game when they were losing in the first half. And I, and I remember I texting Gorney during the game and I was like, you know, this, this is coming to an end here. You have a limited ceiling with Stetson Bennett. You, we get, you gotta get Daniels out there. And I think Georgia fans felt the same way. And now, like you said, I don't think they would have beaten Florida if he played, but you gotta be kicking yourself in retrospect being like, man, like, and, and this was a game when they couldn't even run the ball at all. And he still had 400 yards passing. Yeah, against a very gritty Mississippi State team, you know, uh, Mike Leach has to be proud of the effort there. I mean, I'm, you know, going into a game with 49 scholarship players is just that's, you know, that's Penn State circa Bill O'Brien. It's crazy and it's so hard to do, but they couldn't run the ball. 
Daniels bailed him out. Tremaine Burton's awesome, better than we thought. Um, they have a passing attack now, but there's two games left and they're they're out of it. So, yeah, they kind of sabotage the season. Would they have beaten Alabama? I don't know. Or Florida? I don't know. But I know they would have had a much better chance um, of doing so. So, listen, the easiest thing in the world is to sit here and second guess. It's what everybody does to us. Right. You know, oh, J.J. Watt was a two-star. What are you, <laughs> idiot? Well, yeah, maybe I am. But I don't know the inner workings of Georgia. So, again, I'm going to say 10,000-foot view, this looks stupid. But as you get closer to the surface, maybe there's something there that we didn't know about. I personally, as a head coach, would have kind of been transparent about it. Right. I think that would have helped. That would help the matter if he would have said, look, we don't, you know, he's cleared physically to take contact. We don't think, we don't think he's healthy enough to put out there on the field right now. (laughs) Well, the funniest part about head coaches and some of them are great and some of them aren't, but most of them have the same personality traits once they reach a high level is they have such a disdain for the media and you know the mouth breathers like us that sit there with our little recorders right that oftentimes they become very defiant passive aggressive stubborn you know and they do things like must champ for south carolina I get, near the end of before he got fired he stopped releasing injury reports you know just because someone questioned his you know uh, integrity on an injury report about some players like they're just shooting themselves in the foot when they do that. So Kirby here again, could have been honest, could have been up front and said, listen, this is the case. He's cleared medically, medically to a fan. It means he can play and he should be in there for every snap. Medically is different to actual medical people, <laughs> right? So explain the difference and tell us what's going on. And maybe you don't have this problem. Like, yeah, he was medically cleared, but, 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 and then you're, you're better off, but you know what? They get millions of dollars and second guessing and, and, and Monday quarterbacking is what we do. So, and we don't get millions of dollars. So I don't really, I really don't feel bad at all. Yeah. I kind of, we'll see how he looks against another year, a couple other games here. Well, I want to see how he looks. Yeah. See, South Carolina and Vanderbilt. You might as well put them out there in seven on seven. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess I would expect big numbers in those games uh, as well. <laughs> Speaking of South Carolina, coaching search is ongoing. From my perspective, it seems to be that that Shane Beamer uh, is emerging as the front runner for that job. You mentioned, you know, is it possible Virginia Tech maybe says, okay, we're not, we're not going to let Frank Beamer's son go coach at South Carolina. Um, First, let's talk about the Gamecocks. Do you think you would be a fit, or do you think you mentioned Nebraska trying to go opposite? This is complete opposite of Will Muschamp. We're going with an offensive guy here. Do you think he would be a good fit? Um, no. <laughs> but here's 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 the thing with Shane Beamer. Okay, like very good assistant coach, and obviously when you when you you get into a situation where you become the the offensive guy and right-hand man to Lincoln Riley and numbers are being put up like crazy. And you happen to be the son of a coaching legend. You're going to get more attention than perhaps you deserve. Um, And he's in a great position right now because everybody in Blacksburg is unhappy with Fuente. 
because he can't recruit his team's underachieving. You know, again, this was the 2016 ACC coach of the year and here is 2020 and people want him gone. And, and Shane Beamer has that last name that everybody in Blacksburg wants. They don't care about his credentials. They don't care that he was a, a, a you know, a, a GA at, at Tennessee and, you know, he was, he was under Spurrier at South Carolina for a while and, and, and was a solid recruiter, but, you know, they didn't break any records and that he's obviously now at Oklahoma where offense is kind of in vogue. They don't care. He's, he's the name. So I think he would be better off at Virginia Tech. I think they would support him more there. South Carolina, I don't think that would be a good fit. I don't think he would be the guy. Um, I would take Billy Napier, who really sort of has a little bit of a grudge uh, back in his, you know, back in back in the state of South Carolina from Dabo, uh, sending him off. Um, or you know, take your Hugh Freeze and, and try to do the retread thing again, but. I don't think Beamer is the guy to turn around South Carolina if they hire him. Yeah, he, he did work there uh, for a while. Uh, I think under Spurrier. He was there from 07 to 2010, mostly working on defense. And it's he kind can of work on high... defense, too. That's what's great about him. I mean, he, work, he you know, he worked with linebackers and special teams and, 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 and tight ends and quarterbacks. He, he can work with anybody. That's the one good thing. You know, but remember, he has no head coaching experience either, Woody. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's mean, a problem. I mean, Sam Pittman is making it look like it's not a problem, but overall in the real world, it's a problem. Okay. So mark that down. If, if Now I kind of want them to hire him so you can come out and rip the hire. Or well, I, yeah. Well, I ripped the Muschamp hire, but nobody remembers that. I guess we'll have to go back to the archives on that one. Uh, all right, Mike, the, the college football playoff rankings, the first ones will be released on Tuesday night. So let's get your playoff rankings in order. Who you got? Well, obviously Alabama. Uh, you know, it's 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 the big three of, of. I don't know whether I have Notre Dame or Ohio State ahead. I, I would probably put Ohio State two, Notre Dame three, uh, and then I still have Clemson at four. Um, I know you know in the AP, Oregon's down to nine. They're not down. I mean, they're up to nine. They've played three games. They haven't beaten anybody yet, but, um, you know, they're the Pac-12 team. I don't have a Big 12 team having any opportunity whatsoever to, to do this um, and to get into the playoff. So then it comes down to the uh, group of five teams, Cincinnati, um, you know, BYU. I don't believe in either of them. As far as playoff caliber teams, I love what Luke Fickle's done at Cincinnati, and, and they continue to, to churn out wins, and BYU's played nobody, and I, I don't really care. Um, so that's what I got. I mean, it's very small. So then you got AM ahead of Florida because AM beat Florida. So then what do you do? Really, it's going to come down to does Clemson beat Notre Dame and does Florida give Alabama a game? Right? Right. Yes. Well, if, if, if Florida beats Alabama, they're in, right? Yes. And Alabama's in too. Right. I just, I'm sort of wondering, like, okay. What has Ohio State done to be ranked ahead of Notre Dame? I mean, that, so them being 4-0 and Oregon being 3-0, what's the big difference? Uh, they're Ohio State. They've been in the playoff many yeah, but times. I mean, That's kind of what it is. You know, it's, it's kind of a built-in, I mean, you know, preseason ranking. I mean, look at, look at Penn State. They were, what, preseason six? 
Right. I'm just saying, I, I can't imagine Ohio State's going to be ranked ahead of Notre Dame when the actual. No, but I think on the field, Ohio State would beat Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, so that's why I'm flip flopping and I don't know which is which and I don't care because right now I think this comes down to Alabama and everybody else. And if Clemson can get in there, they're the only team that has a chance to beat Alabama. That's my guess. So I think you have those four teams. And I think, like you said, I think Texas A&M and Florida are five and six. I don't, you know, I watched Cincinnati beat UCF. They won by three. They probably should have won by 10. They tried to get cute at the end and run out the clock and they almost blew the game, which was crazy. Uh, but, and especially with BYU, you know, allegedly ducking Washington, it, the, those teams aren't getting in under any scenario. Like, say what you want. Oh, well, look, I watched UCF win like 30 games in a row. They didn't yeah. even get close. They would win games and move down in the rankings. And what you're going to see is when these rankings come out, Cincinnati's going to be like 10th, right? Yeah. They're not going to be seven. They're ranked seven. They're no. No, they'll be behind Miami. Um, is my guess they'll be behind Oregon, uh, yeah, probably behind Indiana. Northwestern in Northwestern and Indiana. So that gets you to 10 right there, but with yeah, yeah, and then BYU will also be behind a lot of those teams as well. Because again, you got to beat real teams. I'm sorry, that's just life. And I would rather have a one loss power five team like Florida that lost to AM or AM that lost to Alabama much more than I'd, I'd like to see a team like Cincinnati or BYU running well, the table. Um, you know, we still, BYU won a national title one year. I, I know you still hate that. Well, me. it bothers me because that was the year BC was number three in the country and, and they had the, the, the Hail Mary and the Miracle in Miami and Doug Flutie and they beat nobody. They beat nobody. And, and you know, my man Trevor Maddich at ESPN and I used to always argue about that. It's like, he was on that team. I'm like, well, you guys don't deserve your national championship because you beat nobody. You know, well, if we would have had a playoff, we would. If they would have won a playoff that year, they would have got killed. Right, but I'm just saying. I mean, they they would have probably been in it. I, I just don't, don't want to see that happen again. I don't have an issue with the group of five team making the playoff, especially in a year where these teams have multiple losses. But in a year like this, it's just not. It's just a. It's not going to. Like I said. UCF won 25, 28, however many games it was in a row. They beat Auburn. Then they came back the next year, went undefeated, and then they lost to Joe Burrow and LSU by eight points, and they were never seriously considered for the playoffs. So it's just – it's not going to happen. I'm so – Right. Like, you now, can I will tell you this. Group of five I would like to have in if we go to eight. I agree. I'd like, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I hate you, Cincinnati, and BYU. I'm just saying, wrap your head around, it's not happening. So right. get right. that into your, you know. <laughs> but what makes March Madness so great is that there's so many teams involved and you have major upsets. And that's the thing. If you go to eight, you're going to have a Cincinnati or a UCF or a BYU or somebody in there who's going to get to play a Notre Dame or an Alabama and maybe show for real that they belong in, in you know, a quarterfinal game. That's even be happy with six where the two teams get buys or something like that. I mean, yeah, that'd be fine too. Cause then you'd be talking about Cincinnati versus Ohio state, yeah, you know, yeah. and if they're good, they beat Ohio state and they, they deserve to move on. I mean, you know, but I just don't like having it down to four and then 
taking the team with absolutely no quality wins over a team that plays a, especially this year in a full power five conference schedule. Right. In a year where Cincinnati played army, they didn't play a big 10 team like they might have in a normal year. So, uh, all right, moving on Heisman watch, uh, really kind of a disappointing week. I mean, I know Trask put up some good numbers, but I mean, they kind of, he was in the game throwing with nine minutes left against Vanderbilt. Like what, that should have been a have four touchdowns in the first half and be on our way. Like, and Mac threw a bad interception. I mean, no, nobody really, nobody really blew the door. Justin Fields had a couple. So where do you stand, Mike? I got Trask still number one. I moved him to number one last week. I got Mac number two. Uh, I've got Fields uh, down to three. And I think, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, Trevor now, you know, no thanks to Florida State. <sighs> doesn't have the the body of work to be considered a, a top three Heisman candidate. Um, none of the running backs have really done enough. You know, Etienne's had a couple of key fumbles. Najee Harris is doing well, but, you know, Mac is, is going to get the votes there. Um, I don't know. I mean, who else? Why would you even throw another person in there? Who would you throw in? Uh, you're, uh, I, I really don't have anybody. Uh... You know, I'm down to three. I'm down to three. And and again, I agree with you on Trask and, and Vanderbilt. Um, because I took the over. No, I didn't. I, I had Florida. listen. I no, had, I took Florida. I took Florida. Yeah, I had Florida in the first half. I had Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida this, Florida that. And it came out ugly. Ugly, horrible, you know. And everybody who, you know, picked them <laughs> always said, Oh, this is how we always play against Vanderbilt. Well, I don't know. I don't watch Florida Vanderbilt games. They're always, you know, nobody cares. Like, right. they care. so I don't know the history. Oh, oh, I guess you don't watch Florida that much. No, not against Vanderbilt. Yeah, they try, try to avoid Vanderbilt at all costs. Um, they tell me that this was going to happen, and I wouldn't have picked Florida. But he still right. put up three touchdowns, so he's the leader. Right, but I mean, like I said. Like, and the fans got on me this week, uh, and I, I probably would have him number one. I, Mac didn't blow me away in that game, even though he didn't need to. It was sixty to <laughs> sixty to three. Um, well, that was that was that game, the Alabama Kentucky game. Had I known what I we we taped what Thursday night, I think. Yeah. Had I known what I knew Saturday morning, that would have been my lock of the week. And they were laying what thirty one. Whatever it was, I, I took I took Alabama across the board. First half points, first half over, first half this, game that. I mean, they covered the over by themselves, I think. Kentucky so. was missing like three key guys at every defensive position. I mean, it was just that one I didn't even have to check the score on, you know, whereas I'm refreshing or watching or flipping to Vanderbilt, Florida all the time to see if that covers, but – you know, Alabama didn't need to do much. And you're right, Mac didn't really need to do much there. Um, I, I'd like there to be another candidate. Well, listen, Trevor, by the time Trevor plays, he will have been out for more than a month. So I know. He's, if they reschedule that game and he puts up big numbers four or five weeks in a row into the conference championship game, then we can revisit it. But right now I'm with you. He's, he's out of discussion and so is ETN. So uh, that's just how it is. Um, 
All right, Mike versus Pro Football Focus. Who you got this week, Mike? Marvin Mims, my new favorite player. We had ranked 248 in the country, and we just discussed why, and I don't remember. Uh, he, he was highly ranked, then he dropped out of the 250, and then we saw him in Under Armour, and he got back in the 250. Skinny, 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 168. But, man, this kid is putting up numbers, so I'm curious what his uh, PFF ranking is. He's been a lifesaver for Oklahoma with the Bridges situation, with Hasselwood injured, with uh, Theo Weiss. You know, they, they remember those three guys are supposed to dominate, and now Marvin Mims is their best receiver. All right, Marvin Mims, great on the year, 89.7. Wow. That's first-round pick type grade. Now, here's the interesting thing. He has only played 201 snaps. He's playing like between, he's playing about 20, 25 snaps a game. So he's only on the, he's not on the field very much. He is the man. Um, he had a couple catches in Bedlam that were just tremendous body control. I mean, he high pointed one ball that was just amazing. I mean, it wasn't CD lamb going full matrix on Sunday uh, for the Cowboys. Did you see that catch? Yeah, I did. That was awesome. Oh my God. But this is the next great, you know, Oklahoma wide receiver. I, I, and I do think still, you know, that, that, I mean, Bridges has some issues and, and he, we always thought of him as a guy. I thought of him as a guy who would be perfect in that slot receiver role, um, you know, and be like a Sterling Shepard, but maybe more a Hollywood Brown, but that hasn't panned out. Hasselwood's had some injuries and Theo Weiss is a very big, physical good looking receiver those guys will be drafted but this mims kid looks special to me and uh i think the sky's the limit for him yeah 511 177 is what he's listed here on yeah we got him 61 168 so whoever's measuring for us <laughs> well uh yeah we know sometimes those can be a, a tad off uh and he actually flipped from stanford which you rarely see he made the right decision there he would be having like two targets a game in Stanford for an offense. Smart kid too. Smarty pants. Uh, yeah, he, he was, the fact he was committed to Stanford means he's a pretty smart kid. So, um, all right, Mike, before we wrap up, I'll, I kind of want to talk about Thanksgiving, but anything else you want to talk about first? Let's talk about potential successors for Harbaugh. Okay. Who's on That's your always list? fun because your guy, Matt Campbell. Oh, please. I keep listening to you and I'm so stupid. This is how stupid I am. Ready? Okay. I'm like, all right, Kansas State has covered 11 of the last 12 against the spread as an underdog against Iowa State. Since 2009, I think they've covered every time against Iowa State, like as a double-digit underdog. So I'm like, oh, they're getting 14 and a half. I'm going in on Kansas State, even though they burned me in the West Virginia game and they have no quarterback. Iowa State thumps him. Matt Campbell is now in first place in the Big 12, and you still say he's the most overrated coach in college. He's the guy, I think, that Michigan would look to first. Yeah, the guy who lost to Louisiana week one, that guy. <laughs> Who's coaching Louisiana? Okay. Uh, yeah, Billy Napier. Didn't he lose to an FCS team last season? Might have. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I, that may be – they, I don't know if they lost or they didn't cut. In my opinion, if they didn't cover, they lost. So, because I actually stayed <laughs> away. Well, that's that is 100% true. If you don't cover, you do lose. I did, uh, yeah, you did pick Iowa State in our picks. Uh, I know. And then I went against myself and, and, you know, I'm so stupid. I'm just really dumb. Okay. Well, 
Uh, what about uh, Mario Cristobal? The, I was asked this question, and 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 people are gonna laugh at me for saying this. I don't think he'd take the job. <laughs> well, here's the problem: he doesn't make any money. <laughs> he doesn't make any money. I get that. He's what eleven out of twelve or something in the pack. Right, and I mean they're supposed to be giving him an extension. Here's the problem: he's in Oregon, where if they announce a huge deal for him, everyone's gonna get so mad because they're too busy, you know, right. criminalizing cocaine or whatever. I, 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 so, I agree. So Oregon's got a lot of money, but I don't know if bureaucratically they can pay him what they need to. No, he's leaving eventually. There's three places I think that he would go. And again, I don't have any inside knowledge. Miami, let me guess, Miami. There's one. Alabama, number two. There's two. What about Auburn? No? Okay. What's Texas? Oh, Texas. Yeah, of course. Yes. So, again, I like him. He's a nice human being, and he will absolutely 1,000% lie right to my face anytime, right? Because he's a head coach. So, I don't have any inside knowledge as to what programs he would like, but he is from the U. He knows what he could do there recruiting-wise. Um, Alabama whoever succeeds Nick Saban is going to be in really good shape. And Texas has more money than God. The Michigan job is not a great one for him because he doesn't have a tremendous home recruiting base. Now, I guess he doesn't have that at Oregon, but he's got the West coast. He's got he is a very good recruiter. He would improve recruiting at Michigan. Expectations at Michigan are very, very high. And I don't care if it's Mario Cristobal or someone else, you're not beating Ohio State. And I think he's smart enough to know that. Um, and I don't think the next contract that Michigan gives out is going to be an eight, $9 million deal. So they're not going to wow them. They're going to give more money. But I think Miami, because of love, Alabama, because you could rule the world, and Texas, because it's an easy path to the playoff. And they have so many, so many financial advantages that, you know, even in Oregon with Nike throwing money at him doesn't have. All right. So who else is on your Michigan list? This is weird. So I got Joe Brady, of course. Right. But you know, you've well, told me Joe NFL Brady, head coach next year, Joe Brady would laugh at that job and he's going to be an NFL head coach. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll see about that. We'll see if he's a head coach next year. Uh, didn't we bet on it already? Well, probably. Okay. I promise you he's coaching an NFL team next year. Cowboys should have hired throw a name out there at you, right? Okay. You're going to be surprised at. And I don't think it's a good choice at all, but it's a name I've heard linked, and that's David Shaw. Okay. I think that would be a good hire. I don't think it would be. Um, <laughs> and here's the thing. You know, Michigan has hired a guy, obviously. You know, they like that Harbaugh is a Michigan man, but also that he, he juggled academics at Stanford, right? Right. Michigan – deems themselves as an Ivy League level academic program, which they aren't. And the Big Ten deems themselves as an Ivy League level conference. So to get somebody like David Shaw, who has dealt with academics and worked under Harbaugh and also deems himself as a um, Rhodes Scholar, would be a great fit for Michigan. I, I just don't think it would work, but I think he's a guy to keep an eye on for Michigan. Uh, anybody else on your list? No. Um, 
I'm trying to think of a Michigan guy, you know, like the whole Michigan man thing, but um, Josh should have left. He, he wasted, I mean, he should be in the NFL right now. Oh yeah. You know, you know, but I don't know, you know, Stanford's a, a unique job and, you know, I, I really do think that he likes it there. And I think he likes to balance, you know, the, the kids practicing with studying to be an astronaut and, and all the things that come with that. Like, I think honestly, and I don't know him, the NFL might be a sort of a step down for him in his mind. Okay. All right. Uh, Thanksgiving. What are you doing for Thanksgiving, Mike? You know how many phone calls I'm going to get after this? From who? Coaches mad you didn't mention them so they can get... No, no, no. Just coaches I've talked about. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a slight... I'm slightly disparaging. I don't know if you know that. Thanksgiving. Ready? Yeah. Okay. I don't have any family. They're pretty much all dead. Okay. I got a sister in Massachusetts and she's nice and she invited me up there, but I never go. I got a brother in Michigan. I got a brother in California. Barely talk to them. Uh, my wife has family local, but doesn't really get along with them and you know, I'm not a huge fan either. So it's just going to be me and her chilling. And we ordered Chateaubriand from Omaha Steaks with every side known to man and a huge cheesecake wheel, which I will eat myself. And then, you know, I'll probably go over to my buddies to watch football. And uh, she'll go over her, her other family up the road. So a cheesecake wheel, that's like a bunch of different flavors or what? Yeah, it's really heavy too. I mean, it's, it's like, it all came in a mail. I mean, it, you know, in one of those styrofoam cooler things. And I picked up the first box and, and I'm like, what the hell? It's felt like a dead body was in it. And it was, she's like, that's the cheesecake wheel. I'm like, wow. So it's like that big and it's all different slather slices of fat cheesecake cheesecake's pretty good under definitely a little bit underrated I think. yeah you got your baby girl that you just had a birthday for which That's i yelled right. at you i yelled at you about um because you were late to tape because it was her birthday and i said she's how old two and she'll never remember it and she'll have other birthdays um are, do you do you have any greek family in town uh yeah did uh my father-in-law and uh my sister-in-law here so. Okay, so what do the Greeks do for, for, do they slice a goat's throat for Thanksgiving? So they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Greece, but, uh, oh. so I got to do all the cooking. One of the things I keep hearing about, and I keep seeing from all these hipsters on Twitter is like, eh, turkey's no good, it's a crap meat. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah, yeah. First of all, if you have a turkey and you, you eat it and it's too too dry and it doesn't taste, you didn't make it right, so you don't know how to make a turkey number one because right. all you do is you go get that stupid injectable thing you inject it in it it's delicious you get some gravy whatever if you need it i don't need it i eat it plain i take a piece of turkey and i eat it plain okay. if it's dry though just dump gravy on it and it's fine right but then people will be like oh that shows it's not good i say okay well what do you put on your hamburger you put cheese on it does that mean the burger's not good okay so all these people who try to rip turkeys you guys are losers, okay? That's number one. Absolutely. And then I call, let's switch it up. Thanksgiving's once a year. What's there to switch up? Number two, I've seen two articles, one from the failing New York Times and one from the failing LA Times saying, <laughs> don't have pie 
Don't have pie this year. Tired of having pie for Thanksgiving? Here's some other recipes. Who's tired of pie? Nobody. It's once a year. You don't need to change it up. Now, if you want to have, and this is what I always say, I've given this rant several times. If you want to have the staples, you want to have a turkey, mashed potatoes, whatever that sweet potato thing is with the marshmallows, some green beans, whatever else you deem the staples, pumpkin pie, then you want to build on top of it, go ahead, keep building. Don't eliminate pumpkin pie to have some cockamamie, you know, oh, this is a pecan cake that's supposed to be better. Okay, <laughs> my internet connection is unstable. Did you get that? I just got a, <laughs> I just got an alert. Look at the the Illuminati's trying to shut me down. You're in a, you're in a, you're in a, a, a an anti-turkey rant, and big turkey is like <laughs> actually, actually you're not in a, you're you're in a pro-turkey. So big, what what would it be? Who whoever's trying to get rid of turkey and pie? Big hipster is yeah. trying to shut you down with your <laughs> internet connection, but. The only reason we're doing it differently is because my wife doesn't want to make a, a turkey and I, I'm not going to do it. And she saw Chateaubriand on an episode of Mom. Oh, this thing's back in my face. An episode of Mom and she had a craving for it. But I agree with you. Traditionally, get a big ass turkey, uh, get multiple pies, multiple apple, pumpkin, and, and you know, obviously you can, you can do blueberry or whatever else you like. Uh, as much mashed potatoes as you can fit in a human being. Yes. And you're good. Stuffing is good too. Oh yeah, stuffing people like. Yeah. Just if you want to start with that and build on it, fine. But if don't start eliminating staples because I thought we'd switch it up this year. Well, are you gonna listen to skinny hipsters or two fat guys? Right, exactly. Listen to the listen to the fat people. Right. And prepare things like there's a lot of things I don't like. I've been accused of being picky because I don't like certain things. I will, if I know, like, I don't like potato salad. If I'm having a bunch of people over for like a barbecue, I make potato salad because I know other people like it. You need to think about other people, not yourself, when you're preparing a big meal. It's just like red velvet cake. A lot of people, oh, I, I love red velvet. Okay. Well, I used to cover hockey and they would put out 15 slices of chocolate, 15 vanilla, 15 red velvet. If I got there late, there would be none of the other ones left and there'd be 13 and a half red velvets left because nobody actually wants it. I would eat them all. I love red velvet. <laughs> so anyway. That sounds like a great hockey game, by the way. Oh yeah, that was one of the perks of the hockey, the media meal every night. Uh, wow. You know, I've been ridiculed in the recruiting industry for covering hockey. Um, but guess what? I'm a well-rounded individual, Mike. I covered everything, so. Yeah, I know you got these stories about volleyball and this other crap, but uh, rodeo. You know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is about football. It's about turkey, or whatever you like to eat. Um, it's not about being a hipster. It's not about changing it up. It's not about going against tradition. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was waiting for something to change nationally when it comes to Thanksgiving, just because of the way the world's working in 2020 that we would have to change the name of Thanksgiving or hasn't happened, but it will eventually. So enjoy your Thanksgiving. It's probably gonna be one of the last ones you have and, you know, eat pie and eat turkey. All right. Cause it's gone. You know, Thanksgiving is like on the hot seat, right? I did see that today, actually, that it's on the hot seat. Uh, I had it's a, on the hot seat. 
I had a spirited debate with Lackford about it, actually, uh, who was on the uh, who was on the anti Thanksgiving rant, which I said, you know, I made my I, I'm pro Thanksgiving. We can we can reflect on some other things, but I mean, you know. Anyway, I don't want to get I don't want to go down too far down the rabbit hole and get in trouble. So <laughs> that wraps it up for us. Uh, please leave us a review. We did I think we did get another review because we're at one nineteen ratings on the commitment issues feed so what did it say was it good i think somebody just hit the five stars and they didn't actually leave a review so uh please leave a review might have been me a rating uh, it might have been you that did it uh -huh. okay <laughs> please please do that subscribe to our youtube and uh we'll be back we, we got picks coming later in the week on probably going to come out on thursday and then uh yeah. another podcast next week all right thanks a lot mike all right.